Welcome back to another episode of Inside Canadian Real Estate. I am here today with my good friend, Matteo. He's also a realtor at the same brokerage as me, so just full disclosure, this is a fun chat, very casual. We're talking about real estate markets. We're talking about specifically the rental market, what's happening in rental right now um, across the city in Toronto, the GTA, and different markets and pockets. So very insightful if you're a renter, if you're looking to rent a place, if you're an investor renting out a place. This is going to be a good uh, a good episode for you to tune into. And some other just cool things happening in real estate in general, what's in the headlines, what's in the news uh, this month. We're going to talk all about that. So without further ado, here's Mateo. All right, man, what's going on? Not much, man. I uh, I just passed by the office today because I was under the impression we were going to get lunch. But hey, here we are. Might as well get two birds with one stone. Hey, you might as well. Yeah, today's an impromptu episode for everybody listening. But uh, let's just introduce you real quick so we know who's here. Um, yes. Hi, my name is Mateo Kansian. Uh, I am one of many, many C21 Atria agents. I'm also, I like to call myself a friend of Darren. Uh, yeah. Met through some uh, some interesting ways, which is funny to be here now. Um talking about this in this context very very interesting um yeah yeah why don't we why don't we just jump right into how we met actually sure um so i made the horrible mistake one day of uh trying to work out at home never do that because when you do i guess it was uh there was some silver lining to it because i had stumbled upon your instagram page way before this um and you just seemed like somebody that was opinionated like me and uh, had the same opinions on on many many things. So I'm like, I don't know this guy, but you know, I see he's relatively local, yeah. and uh, I'll give him a follow. I'm sure we'll cross paths one day. And uh, that day, I decided to make the mistake of working out from home and uh, <laughs> doing as people do when they work out from home. I was just scrolling through Instagram stories, yeah, not uh, doing what I should be doing. But I did encounter your Instagram story. There you go, where you were asking for somebody to help them look for a new home. Yes. So uh, here we are I later today. That. This was this was before uh, this yeah. was before you had the license, before Atria, before yeah. for the pod, before all of that. Yeah, and you, uh, I was like, wow, this guy responded so quickly. Like he's he's on his shit. <laughs> I didn't know you're just like working at home scrolling Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I thought you had like an operation going. <laughs> yeah, I was typing extra fast. I, had a I was pump like that lead flow. He's got people on this all day. Just. Like, <laughs> But if I recall correctly, I think I reached out to you on a Wednesday or a Thursday. We had showing set up for Friday, and yeah. then we had an offer accepted on Saturday. Yeah, it was it was very quick. Right. And uh, I mean, for people listening to it was, so we were between houses. I had just sold my place in Barrie that we lived at for a while. Um, and I was looking for a place to lease temporarily. And I've never done a lease or a rental, so was, to me, I was like, okay, I need, I need, I, I knew enough that I didn't know enough, so I was like, I need, I need a realtor, like I need someone knows what they're doing, and so that's why I kind of wanted to reach out. And it's, it was a higher end property, like it's a, it's a, it's a large home, it's a nice area, um, and it wasn't really, something really I nice wanted. House. To, yeah, thank you. And so it's, it's not mine, but I'm like, I, I always get like, I get excited. People come over, they're like, oh, your house is so nice. I'm like, thank you. I'm like, wait, am I like, I'm gonna call the owner, let them know your house is nice. <laughs> that's the problem with leasing is like, I never feel like it's a mine, by the way. I just always feel like I'm in someone else's house. It's kind of weird because I'm not used to it. But anyway, we found this is it, really... Is this your first first time leasing? Yes. Yeah. That's why. So it feels like a little like odd. But anyway, I knew enough that like, I'm like, I didn't want to fuck up the whole transaction because it's, it's, a, it's a big enough deal. I'm like, I want the right thing. I want to be happy here. Um, and luckily, you found us something. And it wasn't even an area that I could... I didn't even consider that particular area. And um, you had brought it to my attention, to be honest. I didn't even know it existed. I didn't know that was a town. And uh, now <laughs> I knew. And I was like, wow, this is perfectly located. Like... You definitely did a really good job and uh, helped me get to the place, but also service afterwards because we had some issues with, uh, do you remember the air conditioning? Yes, that's right. We that had no a, air conditioning. That was a funny phone call. Yeah. 
Um, and my I wife just, was pregnant. Yeah, I remember just um, I was back at home and I get a message saying, "Hey, I just realized we don't have AC." And I walked around the house. We don't even have a a unit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, is it underground? But no, definitely not. But like, where where is this thing? But uh, we got that sorted out really quickly too. The sad part was it took me like two days. So for two days, I was like, why is it so hot in here? And I was pressing because we had a thermostat on the wall. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm pressing it colder, colder, colder. And I'm like, this house is not cooling off. Yeah. And then I literally did a walk around the property. And I'm like, there's literally no air conditioning yeah. on the home. Took, took like a good 48 hours to troubleshoot to, to that degree. Of to course. Yeah. And then once we found it, landlord, I mean, to your credit, you handled that one. We hit her really hard from every angle because she was like, no English. Um, definitely didn't want to do it. For some reason, thought they didn't need to do it. Um, but eventually we got a hold of them to do it quickly because it was hot. It was summertime. My wife, Leah, was pregnant. So she's, she was pretty big. Like she was like third trimester and uh, she was getting hot and just getting uncomfortable and like we had no air conditioning and the landlord was going to take their sweet time. So we kind of really pushed them. Yeah. And we got that done. And then ever since then, we've been boys. Now we're... Uh... Happily ever after. I was going to say we're married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Happily ever after. So Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad that we were able to you know fix it on such a fast turnaround. But a couple things there really really funny number one nobody seemed to speak english on the other side of this transaction which is it's, it's still a problem which is really really common um, still a problem honestly more often than not with rentals more like it's actually pretty evenly split between the burbs and downtown yeah uh, a lot of the newer newer condos you're doing you're doing deals with these agents where it's like i which is it's okay to slow down your speech like totally fine doing that no problem yeah. right like just to kind of make it a little easier to understand but then on the receiving side, it's like, wow, I really got to cross my T's and dot my I's because if there's like a miscommunication here, someone's going to get bitten. Exactly. Butt, right? And that's exactly what we've man. Like we've I think we've been here now because we're waiting for. So we, we bought a pre-con property actually in Bradford. Nice. And uh, we're waiting for that to be built. So we're going to be here probably another six months or so, I'm assuming. But from when we signed to now. I've talked to the landlord maybe one and a half times and the half because I think she just hung up on me. Um, but like there's zero communication. Typically her son will call, but her son is like 12. So like she tries to talk to him. She doesn't speak English. So she's like a, I think she speaks Mandarin. She's like a native Chinese speaker. I think she speaks Mandarin, but she tries to relate to her son and then her son tries to relate to me. But then you're trying to talk about like real estate with a 12 year old and it gets really confusing. And last time they just, I don't remember what happened, but they just hung up on me. And then our rent, we had we had run out of post-dated checks again recently. So I actually text her saying, I'm going to send you 12 more checks. Like, is this is you still at the same address? Everything's good? No reply. I'm like, I have the checks here. Where can I send them? I just want to confirm your address. Nothing. So I just sent the checks to her. A week later, I'm like, did you get the checks? Nothing. The next week, it was drawn. She pulled it. So they don't even respond ah. to me. Like, there's zero communication. Money talks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, for real. It's like, yeah, you, you know how to cash the check, but not reply to your phone. So... It is a real problem that like that like no English thing is it's hard if you're a landlord because it's like your tenants can't communicate with you. Right? Yeah. So at least I had you for the big stuff and you worked it out. And ever since then, it's actually been smooth sailing. So yeah. And at you least you're at least you're a good tenant. They don't have to worry about any issues. But um, for real, like in in that AC circumstance where it's like like that's a bare minimum requirement to just enjoy like reasonable living in your home. And it was in the contract. Yeah. And it, and it was in the contract yeah. too. Right. So it's like, that's the sort of thing you just gotta, you just go guns blazing right from the start. It's like, Hey, just, you know, we're not like yeah, expecting this down the road. Hey, keep this in the back of your mind. It's like, Hey, we need a solution to this like right now. Um, yeah. A couple, a couple other interesting things with that one too. Um, 
post-dated checks for rentals. Legally not enforceable by the, uh, like provincially, it's just not enforceable. So in even, what way? Even if you sign off on a deal that has a clause in it that says you are to provide the landlord oh, yeah. with post-dated yeah. checks, yeah, yeah, yeah. they can't enforce it, yeah. right? It's like um, pets. Yeah, it's like pets. Um, yeah, like pets. Uh, there's a couple other ones that are like, you just see the clause all the time. But as a competent agent, you look at, yeah, the, exactly. you look at the agreement while your tenant's about to sign it. And it's like, there are certain things you don't necessarily have to freak out about or worry about because you just know it's if push comes to shove the law is on your side right 100 percent. i feel bad for i see a lot of like people on facebook saying like oh i have a cat and i can't find a place to live like nobody accepts pets if you know a landlord accepting pets i'm like they don't have to fucking accept pets just don't say you have pets i don't have a pet i don't know i don't have anything i know i know there, there's a gray line but like you don't have a pet guess what you moved in and you inherited a pet your mom gave you a cat yeah. and you have no obligation to say no and they have no legal repercussion to kick you out. I mean, you want to be as honest as you can, but also if it comes to a point where like you can't live, like you can't find a roof over your head because you have a freaking cat, do what you got to do. They can't enforce it. It's very hard to enforce. It's only yeah. possible to enforce. Don't go on the street and be homeless because you have a cat. Yeah. Like it's not worth it. There's certainly like a, I think gray line is a good way to put it. There's like that ethical ground oh, sure. question of like disclosing pets and that sort of thing. I, if somebody has like a small cat. Yeah. Landlords in general are very neurotic, and rightly so, because the, and we'll talk about this, right, like the province is so in favor of tenants yeah. to an egregious degree where it's like, the re- the reason why landlords will ask for everything up to basically a blood sample is that yeah. once you're, once the tenant is in their property, they have no recourse. Can't if they just anything. stop paying, it's like, yeah. what, the earliest hearing you're, hearing you're going to get is six months, eight months? Yeah. Which is just absurd, right? So it's like, yeah, when I, I, t- I always preface my, my tenant clients and say, hey, if you're looking for a place to rent and uh, we put in an offer somewhere, like they'll probably ask some unusual questions, but yeah. it comes from a good place because like of course. Th- you just, ha- as a landlord, there's just so much liability. Like everything is on the line. They have your biggest investment, maybe, probably, 100%. right? Is just, you can just burn the house down. Like, what? Yeah. There's not <laughs> like, much they can do. Yeah, put holes. We've, uh, yeah, I had uh, one really bad experience with a tenant. Um, we're talking holes in the wall. Dog was peeing on the ground. Like, nice. really, like, really, really bad. And it's like, what are you going to do as a landlord? You can't, you can't go in there and brute force them out of See, there. that's What's... what spoils it for everybody, though. It's those people because that's what makes, that's what makes the government feel like, so this, this is the problem. Like, I'm coming from a landlord perspective, too. Like, we, we have a triplex that we just struggled to get um, a tenant that stopped paying, like, 14 months ago. She just got evicted, like, three weeks ago. There you go. Um, 14 so almost, months? Almost 14 months. Like, from, from her first non-payment to yeah. finally someone, sh- they basically, she got evicted by the sheriff. So the sheriff actually showed yep. up to pull her out because she wouldn't leave. So that took about 14 months from, like, from like not paying to, like, physically having to get her Where off the property. Where was this? Uh, this was the Tank. Penetang. Yeah. It yeah. Which happens, it happens more often out there, eh? Yeah. 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 So she's and now another one, but it's it's man, it's it's definitely so I, I get both perspectives. The problem is all this legislation, like when the government makes everything like in favor of tenants, it makes it very difficult. People tend to be cool with that, thinking like, oh yeah, of course, like why should greedy landlords like this is your home, like don't kick people out. That policy doesn't actually help renters. It hurts renters because Absolutely. what it does is, A, makes less people willing to rent their properties out, which means less available places to rent, which means higher rent prices for everybody. And then it also means for the good people, the good tenants are looking for a place to live, you're going to get scrutinized super hard. You're going to get all those wonky questions. You're getting all this like these hoops you got to jump through. It's so difficult for you to get a place. 
because the landlords know if they get, like you said, if they get you in, they can't get you out. So this whole like crazy thing where the government and, and uh, the landlord tenant board just sides with um, tenants all the time is not good for tenants. It's actually bad for tenants. So when I'm like a proponent of saying we should loosen that up a little bit, I'm not doing it to favor landlords. I'm doing it so the market as a whole becomes more fair and it's actually easier for tenants. It wins. Yeah. It, it's a win-win, both sides. Yeah, 100%. Even um, like I tell my clients, it's like, Expect it to be akin to a job interview when you have that uh, that offer pending, right? Like yeah. you have to put on a good, f- like people just expect, like just send in an offer, it gets accepted, which happens. It's actually been happening more recently. Yeah, I bet. Uh, there's big seasonality to this quick sidebar. If you're looking for a place to rent, do it in the winter. Yeah. Lower inventory, but yeah. that's okay because the competition is way lower. It's just so much more calm. We spoke about this on the phone yeah. yesterday. Perfect yeah, yeah. word for it is just calm. Yeah. It's calmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Way easier to get a get a get a deal. And this is anecdotal. You know, maybe the maybe the actual market statistics favor this, but just in my overwhelming repeated experience, it's been if you look in the winter, you're gonna yeah. have such a smoother time finding a place. Less yeah. less offers bouncing back, less competition, no need to put additional months up front, yeah. no need to again show blood samples and yeah. and uh, D- DNA testing. Yeah. Def- DNA testing with every lease. Yeah, just uh, just a much smoother experience and even just client satisfaction I find is a lot higher. It's uh, actually the, the same in resale. Too. It's the same thing. December gets a lot less competitive. Yeah. I think everyone just sh- because of Christmas too, everyone's just like, I'm not touching anything new till January. So everyone's slowing down. So go off the. Yeah, I tell my clients go off the beaten path a exactly. bit, and you'll you'll be a little bit happier. Hundred percent. Right? Yeah, that's the whole theory of like the contrarian investor. Like do do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. Like use that use those those gaps in like market behavior to your advantage. Right. Yeah. No, I and, love I, that. and I see that in real estate a hundred percent. So what I mean I haven't even I, I should know this but I don't but like what areas are you working in the most now like for for new leases and rentals and all that like what areas are you in for leases as of late it's been mostly downtown uh, it's more just a consequence of what I've just been able to get my hands on right. you know it's it's not intentionally focusing on specific areas right. um, historically it was actually more suburbs but I've been getting a lot busier downtown I think consequence of it is is just my age. A lot of lot of friends who refer me to friends of friends, and then yeah, that yeah, that yeah. domino effect kind of takes place. Uh, so mostly downtown. Um, it's been really interesting to see the uh, the movement of both the like the rental market and the the buy and sell market over the past. Uh, yeah, what are you what are you seeing on that side? Year. That's what I actually really want to talk about. What are you seeing on that side? On rentals? Yeah. Um, so for starters, I I can't comment on the summer because I just. Do not take on clients yeah. from July okay, to September. Okay, let's talk about that. So you have a bit of a, a side deal, if you want. Well, no, the reason I don't take on... We'll talk about that, but the yeah. reason I don't take on any clients from July to September is because if you're looking for a place downtown and your budget is, let's call it reasonable, yeah, there's just too much competition. Yeah, it's I, like, it's, it's It is such a disaster. Even Sp- still, like this year was like that? Every year, wow. every and I think it gets worse every year too. Um, well, think about it. You have formerly formerly Ryerson TMU. You have UFT. Oh yeah, they How, changed the name. Yeah, Toronto oh, Man's University. Okay. <laughs> ah, yeah. I'm holding uh, it up. TMU, UFT, a number of other colleges, universities, all based out of Toronto. And as we know, the student population in Canada is growing. Yeah. Very, very quickly. Half a million a year. Unsustainably. Yeah. Um, 
really at the really at the expense of these people who just have no idea what they're getting themselves yep. into. Um, and the first real slap in the face they have is when they go to find a place to live. Yeah. Right. Try doing that in the city of Toronto. I've had this hands-on experience every single year that I've done this in the summer. If a place that looks even remotely like a decent deal yeah, yeah. comes on market, yeah, it gets six to eight offers in less than 24 hours, Crap. most of which are 100% blind. Wow. Meaning the person has not gone to see the actual property. They are just in such desperate straits. They're just like, I need a place because every other place has oh, flown yeah. off the, the shelf just as quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And speaking about tenant favorability and making it easier for them, when it comes to international students, one of those international students, one of those offers that they have of those six to eight offers is probably an international student who has no problem shelling out eight to 12 months of that yeah. rent up yeah. front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I'm a landlord, all else being equal, who am I picking? Exactly. Right? So it really uh, throws a lot of domestic students under the bus. Not just students, but just people who are just looking for like a one or two bedroom. Yeah. At a reasonable totally. rate, like it's it's bananas. So I strongly advise, strongly advise to anybody who is in the city looking for a place to live, don't do it towards the end of the summer because you suddenly are competing with four times the applicants for not that much higher in terms of inventory. Yeah, and that makes sense. It is just an emotional emotional roller coaster to go through that experience. Yeah, emotional roller coaster. I can imagine it's not fun, especially when you really need a place to live and the clock is ticking and you need to be somewhere at a certain time and you have to get into a place and you can't find it. I imagine there's a little bit of a panicked rush. People have moved back in with family and whatever. Yeah. That's that's fine, right? Some people, if they don't have family or friends yeah, that yeah. they can back up on, Airbnbs, they have to go spend money on, hotels, right? Which just gets... Did you hear the hotel headline this week? Talk to me. Oh, man. They've been talking about in the news now for Toronto saying that, yeah, officially um, you can get a one-bedroom hotel on average cheaper than a one-bedroom uh, condo in Toronto. There you go. It's just cheaper to stay in a hotel now. Really? That's what they're saying. The, the, I don't trust what wow. they're saying. But that's what the news says. And if we believe the news, then it's true. <laughs> hey, if we... <laughs> I we can, we can believe this. that. Yeah, yeah. We need some independent uh, third-party fact checkers to. Take yeah, a look but at apparently that for us. they did some sort of. There's so many variables. I don't know how they would have isolated all these variables, but like, essentially, all things being all equal, in all, it, yeah. it's cheaper to stay in a hotel and you get full service. You get basically cleaners, which is hilarious. Yeah. Because if you owned a house, the cost of a full service nanny day to day would be more than the hotel. But you're getting a hotel for less than renting an apartment with full service cleaning staff. That's right. That's leave, leave your blankets on the floor and uh, you know tear the place up a little See? bit every day. Who cares? Yeah. Coffee gets replenished every morning. Bathrooms get cleaned every day. It's not a bad That's deal. That's right. Yeah. For all those uh, passive income specialists who want to save on their $4 coffee yeah. every day, just move into a hotel. See, ne never Save mind. on your coffee see, every never day, mind right? Leases. We should contact the hotels and just be like, hey, you want us to fill your rooms? Yeah. <laughs> just get all, your, all the lease clients and well, say, hey, hey, I got a new building. Most of those hotels are getting filled up with uh, oh yeah, with refugees and whatnot, yeah, right? Yeah. And so be it. Like, totally, yeah. totally fine, right? Um, Is it? Those, yeah. Those... <laughs> No, I, I think so. Uh, those hotels are just bankrolling at the expense of the Canadian taxpayer. I, I don't, that's for sure. I, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it. Not because they shouldn't have a home. I think that we have to be very careful. We're accepting a lot of quote-unquote refugees. However, it's a known fact now that we're not necessarily vetting these people well. And the percentage of them that are actual refugees, like we actually have a big problem with accepting refugees. And then we've seen a huge percentage of these refugees go back to their home country for summer vacations. 
Have you heard of this? Vacations. Yeah. So they started yeah. tracking movement saying, oh, yeah, yeah, you're a refugee because the whole point of refugee status, by the way, because I think Canada's forgotten, is your home country is in such a bad state of affairs that it is too dangerous to live and survive there. It, it's a danger to your health, to your life, that we're going to accept you, conditions aside, waive the natural visa process, and we're going to let you in to save you. If you three months later go back on vacation for a month, probably the place you left isn't exactly what you're saying it is. And the other, like, the other issue we're having is we're getting people from what we would consider very dangerous countries, hostile countries towards Canada, um, and we're letting in large groups of people that can't be vetted properly with a risk of having very dangerous individuals, possibly with malintent, being scurred into that. Then we let them all in. Now, th th that's the negative side. Even the people that do need the help, this, this is the problem with this whole system. We let them all in and we promise them that we'll take care of them and we'll give them some a roof over their head. We'll give them food. We'll give them somewhere to live. And then where do we put them? Hotels. Then they fill up. And then where do we put them? On the street. And you see that now in Toronto. You're not helping refugees by bringing them here and throwing them on the Toronto streets in minus five degree weather. Like yeah. this is a problem. So it's like, oh, we're doing good. We help refugees. You're not helping them. You're hurting them. So you're giving the, the ones that actually need your help, you're giving a false promise to. And the ones that don't need your help, you're basically being bamboozled effectively and creating all kinds of national security risks for us as a country and the good ones that need our help we can't even actually help that's my spiel <laughs> um rare moment of uh government journalism doing a, a really good job do you do you ever watch cbc marketplace yes did you see the one um episode about where they just interview international students i, I caught a glimpse of it yeah oh man yeah, it is imagine how bad it could be and then multiply it by five. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really scary. We're talking landlords here who will charge not for a room in a house, not for a part of the, not for one bed, not for one bed in one room of a house shifts, eight hour shifts for a bed less than an hour from where we are right now. Yeah. It's uh, like rental prostitution basically. It, yeah. By it's, the hour. it's, it, it is, uh, you're exploiting people. It's ridiculous. You're really exploiting yeah. people, and they go into a lot of the personal situations of people who who arrive here, and it's like there are... Imagine your parents leveraged their generational fortune exactly. that they've been holding on to for however many generations, farmland, et cetera, yeah. um, so that your your child can get... A, your, your offspring can get an education here, son or daughter, uh, and then they... You know, you come here to, and some of the programs are like, I, I, I really feel bad because it's like, yeah. what are you going to do with this, right? But you know, tourism, right? Or 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 um, just some of the programs. I can't remember off the top of my head exactly, but some of them were like, you're not getting your money back on this, no, ever. No. And then and then they're the 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 kids are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because they're like. Well, yeah, this is like I'm climbing up the steepest hill possible, yeah. right? Like this is obviously extremely difficult, but at the same time, I can't tell my family I'm letting them down that I'm failing, right? Exactly. It's, and so they go speak to was it a funeral home director or I can't remember. Uh, and and the guy literally goes, he goes, "We send home bodies every month of international students who come to Canada, to what? Ontario, yeah, to part. the GTA, to the GTA yeah, yeah, yeah. here, right? Am among us, yeah. right? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's horrifying. And, you know, we, um, we, 
we keep one eye blind to it, um, eventually it's going to come back and smack us right across. But the head. this is this is my point. This is the problem with like we're going to get political, I guess. But the problem with like the whole liberal policy and the whole policy of Canada for the last little while, we do things that sound good, but oh. in practice are very bad. So yeah. we we do things that we say we're helping people, but we're actually hurting people, and that's been the policy for years. So whether that's the acceptance of refugees or the acceptance of students. I don't know if people are just naive or they're intentionally doing this for whatever gain, like in the political system, but there's clearly a discrepancy. Like in the whole scenario, you're like there's like the whole scenario you just described, there's entire companies in countries like India and China, their whole job is recruiting for universities. Oh yeah. And some of the universities they represent, which are Canadian are like fake universities. It's not even like legit schools. It's these like quasi like institutional education systems. They're not even like, you'd never recognize them. And they have these sales arms in India and in China saying, hey, we have this program. You're going to come to Canada. We're going to get you into some student housing. It's going to yeah. be affordable. You're going to get a job. You're going to get a, a, a student visa. We're going to give you this whole program. Pay us, like you said, your life savings. We're going to take care of you. And then in reality, what you just said happens. They get here. They get screwed. And they go back in a body bag or a coffin. Uh, that is happening. And no one's addressing it because it's just like, oh, no, we're helping. We're creating opportunity. No, you're, you're killing people. It sounds good but you're killing people, and it's the same thing. What do you think is going to happen with all these refugees that we're throwing on the streets? Where are they going to go? Where are they going to afford housing? Where are they going to live? Yeah. But yet we keep bringing more in because it's the right thing to do. It's like it's the right thing to kill people. Well, I guess it's a good policy. Yeah, it's um, a, lot of, a lot of the policy is stuff that sounds great in a headline and then is easy to put your little clapping emojis in exactly. the Facebook comment exactly. on it after, but you, know, you look at the actual outcome and you go, it's so egregiously bad that either – the people who are responsible are, there's only one of two choices. Yeah. There's only one of two, and you have to pick one of them. Either they're grossly delusional, yeah, beyond belief, yeah, or they know exactly what they're up to. Yeah. And, and it's, it's okay with them. Right. Yeah, and and it, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and it's evil. Right. And I, I think, I think it's the evil part for the 1% of the administration. Yes. I think the leadership of the administration and liberal party, it's the evil side. 100%. It's power, it's control, it's progress in their career. And I think the people that follow them, because, and I know this because you can see how they structure their parties, they're just along for the ride. They're just naive. And you'll see how often Trudeau shuffles his cabinet. It's because people catch on and they go, wait a second, this isn't what you said it would be. Now you're fired. And the new ones come in. Hey, you want a job? And those people truly think, I think most liberals truly think they're helping. I don't think they're bad people. I think they think they're on the side of empathy and equality and, and helping humans. It, they're not. They are by words only, and they don't realize that. And like, I'm not a conservative in in, in the de definition of it. Like, I'm I'm definitely a socialist by what I believe should happen. But I'm conservative in terms of that's the policy that I think helps people the most at the end. So if that's the policy that helps people, then that's the way I'm going to go. But like by nature, I'm socialist. Like I want everyone to do well. I want not to have these people struggling that can't afford rent. I want housing to be affordable. I want everyone to have opportunity. I want equal opportunity if we can have it. I want all those things. Amen. The problem is the people that say they're for that policy are not actually creating any change in that direction. And the people that you think are against it are actually the only ones putting anything in place that actually might get us there. And so that's the side I fall on. But I think that that's changing. And that's a big reason why we have the problems in this country that we have is these policies finally coming back to bite us in the ass. It's like housing is out of control and you look back and say, how did, how did it get this bad? Because we've had a party in power for eight years that says all they work on is affordability and helping the average Canadian. They said that's all they're doing. So how? So people are realizing, like, wait a second. It's actually not working. Well, and hold on, hold on. The they did say that affordability is their concern. Yeah. 
And then they said, housing is not a primary responsibility of the federal government. Do you, yeah. do you remember when they made that switch? Yeah, they uh, apparently anything that goes bad isn't their responsibility yeah. anymore. Would you look at it's that? It's only their responsibility when you're voting for them. When they're holding an election, it's their responsibility. They're going to fix it. They're going to take care of it. And then once they're elected, it's not their responsibility anymore. And, and that, that's a shame because we have a beautiful country and it's one of the best positioned countries in the world um, to live, to work, to build business. It's just not right now because of the way it's being run. It's, um, it's really fascinating growing up in Canada um, and you know, being, being in such a, um, such a multicultural, diverse country where um, I have a lot of people that I regularly interact with who are from totally different parts of the world and they come here um, because life is better here. Yeah. And it's this interesting phenomenon to witness where we've, we've been here for long enough where we know what life kind of was sort of like, you know, yep. we're not, we're not old by any means, but we're not super young anymore. And so we have a glimpse of what life kind of was like maybe yep. for the past generation or two. Uh, but we also have the foresight as reasonably intelligent guys who think second and third order consequences. And we kind of see the direction the country is heading in. Um, you know, you're a child of immigrants as well. It's not all. It's 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 no. not going to continue to be what it was, right? And yeah. we're we're even just think about the past eight years of Trump. not if we keep up in this way. No. Yeah. Uh, the, just the the policies of the last eight years, like mm. it's going to take at least a decade to wipe off the stain yeah. that this guy yeah. left on our on our global yeah. legacy, our, our our global reputation, right? Yeah. Um, it's a real shame. But so it's interesting. Like you have people from other parts of the world who come here because it is a better place to live yeah. than wherever they were from and absolutely 100% agree. But we can simultaneously acknowledge that yeah. things are not trending in the upward direction for most people, Yeah. right? Uh, it was crazy, crazy, crazy. When I first started um, doing a high volume of leases and um, I started dealing with whether it was families or individuals who were back, who, who needed to move for the first time in like, five years, 10 years, 15 years, who got back into the real estate market, yeah. who just took a look around and said, what the, yeah, are we, yeah. Are, can I, you just swear. I already did. Yeah. I, yeah. What the, what is going on yeah. here? They don't realize until they have to look at it from the newcomer's perspective, right? Of like, okay, I, you know, let's say I didn't have a home base established here for the past exactly. little while. Right. It's like, this is not sustainable. The average income that you looked at, even let's call it five, 10 years ago, how is that person going to get by in five, 10 years with the way things are heading? It's not going to happen. And it's, and everybody's going to have a huge wake up call. We have gone, we have, the pendulum has swung so far this way. Yeah. It's going to be real scary when it swings right back because it's, it's coming. People are getting real and fed you up. You see that around the world. That pendulum is swinging all around the world. You see conservative leadership and it's not necessarily a good thing. I don't want extreme conservative leadership in this country. No. But we might get it. We might get it because it's going to swing that far. As, that as might an be offset. what it takes yeah, to reset. As an offset. Yeah. So we, we, we might head that way because, yeah, like cost of living isn't affordable. And that's because housing is not affordable. It's because food is not affordable. It's because clothing and basic needs are not affordable. And those things are not affordable because everything in the supply chain that exists to create those things has gotten more and more expensive because of taxes, because of red tape, because of administration overreach and involving themselves in things they don't need to involve themselves in, they make it more expensive. 
Like when you say car, like carbon tax is this whole thing that everyone's talking about carbon tax. And every time Pierre tries to argue it um, with Trudeau, it's always an argument of Pierre saying you're making the cost of living too high because of this tax. We have to ax the tax. And Trudeau is saying, oh, well, Pierre doesn't care about the environment. It's like Canadians care about climate. Yeah, exactly. They can't care about climate when they're worried about their credit score dropping 100 points because they can't make ends meet. What are you talking about? Exactly. It's just another example of that. It's like we're helping the environment. Okay, but people can't afford groceries. And actually, you're not helping anything because Canada is one of the most like carbon, I don't know what the word, they're not neutral, but they're the most like carbon efficient countries. When you look at where the majority of global carbon is coming from, China's doing nothing. They're one of the biggest polluters. India's one of the biggest polluters. They're doing zero. We contribute to like not even 1% of, of the world's carbon. And it's like, we're the ones cutting back in a time when our own citizens can't afford groceries. Yeah. When we're not even the prompt to begin with, we could go carbon neutral and you won't even dent it. It doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. It just means that if the way to do it is make everything so because carbon tax makes of course fuel so trucks trains boats production factories that make your clothes things that move your food the grocery stores that have to operate it's making everything more expensive so that that's why i'm saying it's not a good thing but if that's the way we have to do it then no we can't do it right now you can't you can't do that right now at the cost of your entire like population you can't say hey we're going to marginally by a quarter of a percent improve global carbon and in exchange you will all not be able to afford food for 20 years. That It's just not a good deal. Like, it's, it's, yes, it should be a priority, but priorities have to be ranked in order of importance. And right now, it's that average families can afford a home, average families can afford food, they can afford clothes for their kids. And if the price we have to pay is sacrifice that, then it's not worth the price, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even just as like a practical example, um, sorry, as a practical example, what it, do you know what, percentage or how many cents is added on how many cents is added on to the price of gas huge it's it's almost okay don't quote me i'm doing this off my head i haven't researched this it's close to half it's yeah not, it's not a few cents it's got to be you like combine the yeah. sales tax the carbon tax a bunch of other taxes they have on gas what is it like 30 to 45 percent it's got to it? be Something like 30 40 percent yeah. yeah it's just under half it's it's massive and they've doubled that recently so it's like all these big hikes, like why we're at a dollar forty and on a dollar right now, is tax. Yeah. It's just the it's the additional taxes they added this year. It it's and that go that affects everything. It's not just your car. It's like great. You want car, to carbon tax fuel, makes you not use fuel, but fuel we need. Fuel is the is one of the primary inputs yeah. of any economy. Exactly. Right? You just need it to do anything in this century. Anything. And we don't have so an alternative. Yeah, and it's and it's the underlying kind of utility that gets everything done. And we're just taxing that, and it makes no, for, it for, makes for, no for, sense. For for what? Why do what? What are we getting out of it? Right? And think about the population of Ontario versus the, versus the world, or even the population of Canada versus the world. The 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 reps we're putting in, the effort we're putting in, the money we're spending. It's like we're not even like one percent, point five percent. We're not the problem. Yeah, we have not. some of the world's largest forests. We produce yeah. some of the most oxygen in the world. <laughs> And, and we're killing our people for it. Yeah. Makes no sense. Um, right? And the worst part is what I hate is because you bring up a good point too is like how, how important oil is. We don't have an alternative. So like you're basically punishing people for using gas, but we don't have an alternative to gas right now. We, we don't have mass fleets of, of electric uh, semi-trailers. Like we don't have massive fleets of, of electric uh, container ships. We don't have electric trains. So you're, you're punishing us, but we can't even get out of it if we wanted to because it's yeah. not a solution. And then even if we did... Where do the batteries come from for all these electrical vehicles? We mine lithium 
in third world countries where like children are getting hurt every day. It's a real, pr- real progressive day. approach. Yeah, yeah mining, it, uh, mining cobalt and, uh, <laughs> out of the floor in a exactly <laughs> in, a, in a real bad place to live. Um, you know, so we're, we're oh yeah, great. You didn't drive your car today, but some little kid had to go down to a mine to get your lithium for your battery that we can only use in less than five percent of vehicles. It's just, like none of it makes sense, and that's I think that's I think why Pierre runs so much on that whole like you know, bring common sense back to Canada. What, make do, you, make what do you think of that guy? Step in the right direction. Anything but is better than yeah. what we have now. Yep. yep to be yep, honest, yep. and that that's it's a shame that that's where we're at. But you're not going to get the perfect. First, you just yeah. got to get better. Yeah, I think, I think the opinion that a lot of people hesitate to voice about the conservative party, uh, but I hear this from people left and right, is just that the conservatives have become liberal light. Yep. Basically, you vote conservative if you want a prime minister who was as liberal as the last liberal prime minister, yeah. not the current one, yeah. right? So you really, it's... But that's that's the natural progression, though, because, like, the whole... The country's already been pushed so liberal in general that if you had someone contrast too far, yeah. you'd lose a lot of the base, and you'd never be able to step in that direction. That's a good point. So you kind of need an intermediary that, like, kind of plays both sides, but at least makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. And even if he's only doing it for his own self-gain, which he probably is... At least Certainly. the policies he's proposing make sense. Like at least he's proving that he can think about things in the right way. Um, and maybe after him, someone comes in that's even better and makes even more sense and is a little more towards that conservative line of thinking. And we can have a nice stepping stone; doesn't have to be super abrupt. But you have to. You, you can't go from Trudeau to like who's 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 that guy that just won in uh, in Argentina? Was it Argentina? Javier Milei. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to go from <laughs> yeah. from Trudeau to Javier. Yeah. We um, are and we aren't even like uh Canada isn't a notoriously no. um revolutionist country by any means. We're pretty uh pretty sheepish as far as the international uh, reputation goes. Exactly. We just kind of do what we're told for the most part. Exactly. And and it's and it's not a terrible thing. I mean, part of what we gain out of that is is uh international security. Like Yeah, cohesion. You come to Canada because it's like very unlikely that your house will be bombed. Yeah. It's just not a thing it's that happens here. Life Even is in safe. world wars. Yeah, like you yeah. come here for safety and part of that safety comes from us being indifferent globally. And not being super extreme in either which way. So I'm not opposed to that. Maybe your X1 gets pulled out of your driveway twice a year, not by you. Oh, but boy. It's the price to pay, right? Yeah, the carjackings, uh, it's becoming less safe, that's for sure. Again, more result. I was, li- I was reading a book today, actually. It was Charlie Munger. He died last week. I keep talking about it. But um, poor Charlie's almanac. He was talking about, he did a speech at a university. He was talking about crime. And he was saying it, it's, it's very simple. He's like, if you make it easy in a society for people to commit crimes and not get caught, you get more crime. And so when you have a liberal policy of reducing bail, making it harder to identify criminals. Do people even know that they're doing that? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. Because I feel like when people do hear that, they go, wait a minute, what is this guy up to? What, what are these guys doing? I don't think they connect it. I think, again, they see the, so they're like, they look at it like prison reform. It's like, oh yeah, there's so many people in jail that shouldn't be in jail. We're going we're gonna to lower sentences. Awesome. And then you have understaffed police departments like defund the police was like the whole movement in the US. But it, to, in a lot of ways here, it's like funding the police is not popular. If, if you're a politician running for mayor and you're saying, I'm going to increase the municipal police budget, it's not a popular move. Everyone thinks you're evil if you do that now. So if you have no enforcement, like I had a bunch of friends talking to me last week, they had to call 911 for various reasons. We had a friend who actually had a, a grandfather that was injured and had to call 911. And they waited 20 minutes on hold, four hours for an ambulance. This was York Region. York region, York region, eh? Wow. Four hours was last week. Four hours for an ambulance. They said they were understaffed. For an ambulance. That's really scary. So imagine when you call someone's 
like we we have, we've had cars broken into me me and Leah my wife oh yeah call the police try to make a report they say do you know who did it I go nope do you have their faces on camera nope sorry we can't help you Peace so out. if you're a criminal you know that oh yeah you know nothing's gonna happen so what are you gonna do more of that there's and that's uh, what we're getting. There's interviews of uh, of like um, police officers and uh, when it comes to these crimes that are increasingly being considered petty crimes, vehicle theft, um, muggings, things like that. They go, we actually know who they are. Yep. Our job is increasingly becoming like babysitting because we file a police report. The uh, minimum sentence and whatever minimum punishment for it is so small that it's like. Okay, we'll see you in two weeks when you're uh, when you when when you do it again, right? And it's like yeah. the, the 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 punitive uh, aspect really just isn't there. Um, it's a real problem, man. It's yeah. a real problem. Going back to the the fuel thing, it's funny. Um, so I'm I'm 27. I started dry. I got my G1 as soon as I could. I always remember kind of the the inflation benchmark in my head was gas was a dollar a liter. Right yeah. when I started driving, I always remember if it floated right around a dollar yeah, yeah. a liter. I have a 40 liter tank on my car. Every time that I went to go fill that thing up, 40, 40 bucks, 40 bucks yeah. on the dot. Yeah. Right. So it's like the most useful comparison. And secondary, a pound of wings was ten dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's like 18. And it's it's is it really it, a pound? Yeah. Right. And it, the, the chickens sauce. seem to be a little bit thinner these days. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. See, <laughs> I, I've seen people posting in grocery stores lately, like um, packaged goods like cookies. Where the price is remaining the same, but actually, if you look at the grams on the how many grams are of content in the box, it's getting smaller. Yeah. And like I, someone did it like three weeks apart, and it was like 250 grams of something, and then it was like 245 grams, yeah. and then 240 grams. So that's another thing is is that yeah, shrinkflation is real too, and that's double ending, man. We have costs going up of things that we need, and and we have quantities of things going down for the same cost, and it's like. I remember with chicken wings, the first time I noticed it was someone was it was at a, it was like a pizza place I was at. And someone ordered wings, and she opened the box, and I, I guess they changed the number. So now it was like I don't remember the number, but it was like one less than she was expecting. You feel it, you just do. Your your, your sixth sense kicks in. Yeah. Where's that last wing? But she went <laughs> off, like she went off on this. I'm like I never would have noticed that, but she's uh, like she basically was like, "Where's my wing?" I'm like no, no, we we do one less now. The price was the same as it always was, but one less wing, and like she went off. But that's like a good kind of lay of the land in terms of what's happening across the country. Yeah. You're getting a lot less for a lot more in just about everything. It doesn't matter what the hell you're doing. Like that's where we're at. Right. How do we fix shame. it? How do we fix it? Mateo? How do we fix it? Yeah. I just oh, voted you prime minister. Yeah. Oh, if I'm prime minister. I probably uh, hand this off to somebody a little bit more, a uh, little bit more competent. See, that's the answer. So you wouldn't try to fix it yourself. Like <laughs> when it comes to shrinkflation, I guess, uh, stop sp- Printing so much money, yeah. I think that's that's probably number one. It's a good place to start, right? Stop devaluing the thing that we all use to transact, and just makes every makes the rich a lot richer and the poor a lot poorer. Yeah, a lot. Poorer. Well, if if you're Trudeau, the way you fix it is you appoint a minister to manage this that has a lot of experience in social sciences and a degree in math, and um, you give it to them. And probably got a real it. long email signature. Tell yeah. you that. Tell you yeah. that much. That that minister got a real long email signature. Yeah. I wonder why it's not working. He keeps trying to appoint these ministers. It just doesn't seem like they know, uh, like our health minister. Oh, I love it. Um, I, I won't go, this was not supposed to be a political podcast. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> but politics is tied to real estate. Yeah, very I was, much I was, so. In the back of my head, I'm trying to figure out how do we um, how do we loop this back into real estate. Um, cost of everything goes up. It gets harder to transact. We all see it clear as day. You know, we have. Um, we all see it clear as day, right? Like the industry is slowing down between interest rates, uh, money printing, um, geopolitical 
forces right now, like every hurdle that could be in place to prevent a reasonable person from thinking about transacting right yeah. now is, is kind of there. Um, I think the mantra stays the same of you don't try to time the market. You just get in and hold Correct. it, right? Because think about where we were five years ago versus where we are now versus where we will be in five years. Yeah. One of the things that's not going to change we're probably just going to keep devaluing our dollar, yep. especially if we continue, continue to have this guy in office or anybody yeah. who thinks even remotely like him. Um, your dollar is just going to mean be worth less yeah. and less. We have seen it's just, a, it's just um, a consumer behavior in Canada. We leverage ourselves so hard Huge. for real estate. Yeah. We, we do everything Huge. to get ourselves in. That's probably not going to change either. Um, it was, I think it was... A lot of agents won't talk about this, but I think it was still kind of shocking, even with the rapid rise in interest rates, to see the activity that we yeah. saw. I know relatively it was like it was night and day, but to still think, let's say on a one point, you talked about this on the podcast the other day, on a one point two million dollar home, yeah, rates where they are. Who's buying this house? Uh, this was a, a, a long no, no rhetorical question, but but who like who? What is their income? Yeah, that's what I remember saying. Yeah. The good thing about being in a global city is that, yes, we have tons of people who make boatloads of money. And the more you kind of pay attention to it, the more you see it, we're like, regardless of rates, a lot of people are just going to be totally okay and are still going to be balling no matter what, right? Um, But that like middle class average family, that's just going down the drain. That's not going to be around. And it's a shame because that, that is the backbone of the country. And that's that's who we need to be bolstering and strengthening. But you don't strengthen them by handing out more money. You don't strengthen them by printing more money for bailouts. You strengthen them by creating an economy that they can prosper in where opportunity exists, where they can grow the way they used to grow because that doesn't exist anymore. And we need to find a solution to that. But all you can do, I mean, it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, where, where we're at now, like economies change, countries change, societies change. All you can do is be as flexible as you can with it do what you need to do to take care of your family and yourself and it will change again. Like we're not going to stay here forever. Things do move. Opportunities will come up. Eventually things will catch up. Um, if you can buy a house right now, buy a house. I was telling yeah. someone the other day, if you, if you have to do it with three friends, do it with three friends. If you got to do it with four families, do it with four families, get, get into real estate. This might be the only window you even have for the next 20 years. It's, it's so true. Like it sounds like a very dire picture to paint, but when I, I try to illustrate to my, to my clients, especially ones that are, you know, let's say have a, your typical nine to five job. Mm-hmm. Um, so their, their income in, might increase every year, every two years, but not by some drastic degree. It's yeah. like affordability, even if list prices are falling, rates are still up. So actual affordability is just falling like a stone. So if, I know we leverage ourselves like crazy in this country. So if you can do it, you might as well do it now and hold on tight because 100%. the likelihood that it's going to get surprisingly much better in two years, three years, maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? It's never to say. It, housing prices will never get better. The, the only attempt Afford, have, Affordability will never, will probably not get better, right? I don't that's think the, much I think will that's, change. That's the macro picture. Unless you're no. stacking, unless you're saving at a rate way faster than affordability yeah. is dropping, sure, time the market, wait a little bit, maybe you can make that argument. But if you if you can now... And your, you know, your income is not going to change. The amount you're saving is not going to change. The rate of saving is not going to change. You're just, you're just burning time and money. Yeah. You really are. 100%. 100%. So it's something to think about. There's a lot to think about. And this is a very common topic with everybody now. 
comes up a lot. A lot of people don't know what to do. People that own houses now, should I stay? Should I sell? People that don't own, should I buy? Should I wait? Like it's it's a it's an interesting market. It's interesting to see where we're gonna head. But at the end of the day, do what do what you can do. All I know is getting your hands on real estate is the best thing you can do. If you can find a way to do it, I don't care how you do it or as where long, you do it. Yeah, as long as you can stomach it. As long as you can stomach it. Because in the future, I think affordability in the cities is never gonna change. You want to be in Toronto, it's it's only going to get more expensive. You're going to be in the GTA, it's only going to get more expensive. What we're going to see, the only the only hope that people have an ownership, like people that can't afford ownership right now, the only hope they have at getting affordable home ownership is through like urban sprawl. So like as right. we open up more and more areas out way outside of the city and people hopefully that can do remote work and, and work from home or eventually as these cities grow and can sustain more blue collar work, then that's going to make sense. Like there's places like Elliot Lake where you can still buy a house for 180 grand. Those do exist. You just have to be willing to move there. And I know that's hard for a lot of yeah, people. Lifestyle change. But we're going to have to accept that either if you're an average household or an average income, you're either going to rent or lease something in the city or you're going to move really far away. And that's just what it's going to be if you want to own. I think it would be really, really wonderful to see some kind of uh, federal program um, that incentivizes developers to develop outside of the yeah. cores and also incentivizes buyers to buy outside outside of the core and just yeah. accelerate the development of outside of the golden horseshoe outside of yes. the gta it's a little bit harder in canada because you drive two hours north of here and it's like different it, you know temperature changes and like climate yeah it's you know even i think down here it's like I, i'm like no, at my limit in terms yeah, of the cold yeah, yeah. you know but yeah. uh it's still livable yeah i'm sure you can go east or west right like it's you it's, can we have a lot of land east and west yeah and they, they talked about this, by the way. I went to this conference, the Powerhouse, the other day. They had all the uh, all the heads of all the provincial parties were there. So Doug Ford was talking. Everybody was talking. You were there? Yeah, I was there. Oh, yeah. I saw your and Instagram stories. Yeah, yeah. I was up, up, up close and personal with Dougie. And uh, he was talking about their policy is one of them is going to be, um, they're calling it uh, an infrastructure bank, basically. So they're putting aside money to fund infrastructure expansion into these areas. Um, so they're calling it like big opportunities in small towns. So they realize nice. one of the barriers is like no infrastructure. So they're starting with a small amount. It's like 15 million or something, but they're trying to scale that to many hundreds of millions of dollars. And it's dedicated provincial funding for infrastructure, for putting in waste, for putting in water so that developers can build more efficiently. Um, they're definitely looking at that. And I think, I think that is the solution. And the other thing you talked about was really cool is potentially doing a program similar to like in the military where like they'll give you free schooling so long as you come serve for two years. He was saying one of the biggest problems in small towns right now is even because there are small towns as affordable. The problem that happens there is not only do people not move there, but the people that live there, like you have kids, right? And then your kids go to school where? Back in Toronto. They come to UFT. They, they do two years or three years there. And then they, they find you know a, a partner, boyfriend, girlfriend. They stay. They never go back to their hometown. They get an education. They get a job. They stay in Toronto. They want to do a program where if you're like, again, let's say you're in Elliott Lake and you come to UFT. Um, basically they'll do some sort of, whether it's a housing credit or an education credit somewhere, they'll essentially pay you to do your education. But if you come back, so you're in Elliott Lake, go do your schooling in UFT, but you have to come back to Elliott Lake for at least two years. Yeah. Their hope is that you find your partner there instead, find, you know, start a family, find a home, live there yeah. and don't leave so that these small towns can actually start growing and become economically feasible, which I thought was pretty smart. It's, it's kind of funny growing up, uh, like in York region, just north of Toronto, uh, even yeah. just kind of practically for guys who are in their 20s, approaching their 30s, um, like you and I, it's there's there was for a period of time, I think there was um, something to be said about the kids who like moved out early or moved downtown and stayed yeah. downtown and so on. But 
more and more, because I talk to a lot of people about this, right? About their living situation and just kind of what's going on yeah. in their lives. More and more people just kind of want to go back. Yeah. Like the city has become so city for a lot of reasons I can't, it's going to be difficult gross. for me to articulate. Yeah. yeah. For, for some reasons that are easy to say and some that are not. Um, a lot of people are just like, yo, the burbs are, might be where it's at. It's a little more, a little more calm, less rat race. Yeah. The other thing is with cities too, they're just pay to play, right? Like if you, if you are top 1%, you want to be in the city because your life can just be fantastic. You're bumping shoulders left and right with all the right people. Everybody yeah. lives you there. Have to right? be, you have to be. Yeah. If that's for you. Yeah. Right. But uh, if you're not that, if you are, you know, kind of down the middle in terms of income, like the, the city is, it's pretty stressful on the wallet. I, I, I don't like it. I would never do it. And I'm under the, uh, I'm under the impression of like, if you have to, you have to for work, especially corporate. Yeah. But I think all, especially for all the entrepreneurs, I don't think you have to be to be successful. Um, like if you look at. And more, also for entrepreneurs, like the, so many boomers who live outside yeah. of the city have so Money. That's what I was gonna say. I have so much money. The the yeah. the the ease like there's you know you can get into tech and do the the hail mary long shot thing that's gonna make you a ton of money yeah. if you get the funding and you sell and whatever. But like everyone's doing it. But there's so much easier stuff to 100%. do outside of the city. 100%. <sighs> and there's so much technology that like it's not that if you live outside of somewhere you suddenly have no access to anything. Like, right. It's a global economy at this point. You can get to anything and anywhere. And so my like what I was gonna say is like Warren Buffett built Berkshire Hathaway never left Omaha. They're the really? biggest. Yeah, he still lives in Omaha. Still lives in Omaha. Their office still in Omaha. So does Charlie Munger. They live like down the road from each other. They never left. Like everyone else, any company that size doing mergers, acquisitions, the, that the scale they're doing them at. Goes we got we got to live on billionaires row, right? We got to be we got to be right yeah. there. Yeah. Or they have that penthouse on Wall Street, and they're just looking down. Like that's that's what you do. You're in finance. You're in investing. You're in M and A. Wall Street, not Omaha. They never moved. So it it was it was a very at the time very contrarian. It was a very weird thing to do. Um, and it's, it's a testament. Like you, you don't have to live in a city to make money. You don't have to live in a city to succeed. And especially now more than ever, like it's so easy to do anything anywhere. And I think more people accept that we'd do a lot better at sprawling out a little bit and not have so much density in one freaking place. And I think that would be better for the economy overall and for the country. So hopefully we see more of that. Amen to that. What else we got? We'll wrap up. I mean, we got lunch, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of, uh, of what else, um, I think that's it, man. What else can we talk about in real estate? I don't know. I think we covered it. Things are expensive. Things what, are what, expensive. what did Candace Owens say? Life's tough. Wear a helmet. Did she say that? Yeah. Life's tough. Wear a helmet. And we'll end on that note. Life is tough. You probably won't see me walking around with a helmet hey, anytime wait. soon. But uh, Where can people follow you if they want to connect? If you want to follow me, uh, you can follow me on Instagram. Just, awesome. just give me a shout on Instagram. If you're looking for a place to buy or a place to rent, you just give me a shout. We'll, we'll take care of you. We'll link that in. Yeah, the, uh, Darren's, the Darren's a, testi- a testimonial, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. He's terrible, don't he? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll link that in the bio. And uh, yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate you coming on. Love it. Impromptu. Thanks, buddy. That's the way it should be. Signing off.